0: Here
1: we go.
0: Welcome to
1: the Night Outfitters Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Nine Round Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott winding down wildcard weekend for, you know, maybe some daily fantasies or some of those postseason fantasy type contests that you might get into. Uh, We take a little bit of a step back uh, from the regular season fantasy football and get into the playoff matchups and talk about a little prognostication who we think is going to be the winner based off of for entertainment purposes only the money line and the spread the over under and talk about the games and the matchups just to kind of give you a little bit of a insight into what we look at sometimes when we make our picks and our calls for players of the week starts and sits and things like that it was an entertaining weekend uh, a lot of points scored uh, I know we were a little back and forth with that concept uh, no bad weather in San Fran and Uh, Last night was a little bit of a climactic or anticlimactic finish, depending on how you look at your side of Cincinnati, Baltimore. And we have one game to play uh, as we record. And has not started yet later this evening. will be the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the right to go to San Francisco and play for next week. The last game Sunday night in the divisional matchups, those final four games, uh, eight teams left pat how was your week and what's new what's going on
0: yeah man uh, i mean you know week itself was same old as every other week but you know, this weekend we had some really good games uh, aside from that first you know game of the weekend where things ca- kind of got a little out of hand at the end of the game between the seahawks and the 49ers all <laughs> the other games were one score games we saw you know one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history This weekend and, uh, you know, it was they were really good games. I actually had the opportunity this weekend to pretty much watch every single one of them from start to finish. So that was that was nice. I don't always get that, uh, you know, with the responsibilities and kids and stuff like that. So very interested in watching all of these games and did really well, honestly, in picking these games. And, and, uh, you know, like you said, we we don't uh, we don't necessarily encourage betting. We don't discourage it either on this podcast but uh i did make a couple bucks on on these games uh, l- a lot of my predictions as we're going to see here when we review our picks from last week a lot of my predictions were on so uh good weekend for me altogether. Uh, i know that you were uh, you were working a little bit here and there i said a little bit you're I, I don't know anybody that works as much as you do honestly as you but definitely uh got a chance to check in on the games you said at work and uh even called or text me and, and uh, and made a last minute switch, uh, didn't really pay off for you though, unfortunately, huh? Yeah, no, I was I was biting on some of the news reports
1: that the weather was you couldn't play football in San Francisco. The weather was so bad, and every time I walked by the TV it looked uh, looked like a nice spring summer day, sunny, <laughs> beautiful out there in California. You know, you can't beat the weather, right? So yeah, that's my own fault for not uh, for not sticking and kind of him on a, a little bit there. So but uh, it is what it is yeah it's uh seattle looked like they had a pretty decent shot throughout the game and that whole third time is a charm concept came back to to roost in a couple of these games but yeah come the fourth quarter at san francisco just kind of took it up a notch it looks like and uh yeah seattle had had nothing left for him but like you said the the games themselves very close and yeah that you know that one a little close to your heart and mine was seeing doug peterson lead his team coach wise you know making. Gutsy calls, you know, big mm-hmm. balls, Doug, that triple running back and, and Etienne taking off It just had, <laughs> you know, little shades of Philly Philly where you, yes. you got to get creative and make that defense think twice. And I know that game alone was one where, you know, we saw the matchup and kind of looked at it and said, yeah, I don't think the Chargers have enough for Jacksonville. And then again, I was running around. I saw it was like twenty-seven to seven, and I was like, I guess we kind of missed the boat on this one. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, literally through the you know my ride home and and getting out of the shower and just listening. And and right after Dicker had missed that field goal, uh, it seemed like that f- fully swung the momentum. Yeah, uh, and, and you know Trevor Lawrence was able to shake off the four picks of which. One was tipped, which is, you know, it's hard to sometimes throw that on the quarterback. And the other was a great diving catch. There were the two that were legit just thrown to the wrong guy at the wrong time. But, you know, Chargers couldn't capitalize on everything. And at the end of the day, their defense let them down. I mean, they gave up all those points. It was 24-3 to in the second half. So uh, Brandon Staley
0: might be rooming with Cliff Kingsbury uh, <laughs> sooner than later.
1: Uh, but he'll probably get a pass because it was his first playoff game.
0: Yeah, they uh... – well, we were gonna we're gonna dive into these games. So, uh, real quick before we start, let's just go over a few things, and then we'll just get right into the games because I feel like we're already talking about them. So, don't forget during the Pro Bowl week we are going to do our fantasy awards. Please make sure that you follow us on social media so that you can vote on those awards. Our Twitter handles are at the Nine Route One and at Scott from Delco. Uh, you can also check out our awards. We're going to put them up on the website. Our award nominees. Our website is www.the9routeffb.com And if you'd like to email the show, get in touch with us. We are at the nineroutefb at gmail.com. We're also going to total up and reveal our our weekly head-to-head matchups, the start sits that we did throughout the season. We're going to give you those numbers during that Pro Bowl week as well. But let's jump into this wildcard weekend since, like we said, we know we're already talking about the games we obviously have a lot to, to get over and, and then, you know, obviously go over next week's games as well. So uh, just a quick recap, uh, the wild card weekend, I went 12 and three, Scott, you went eight and seven would have been, would have been 10 and five. Had you not changed your, uh, I'm sorry. You would have been nine and six. Had you not changed your uh, your Seahawks pick there, but both of us have, you know, pretty good weeks above 500. So that's good. There is obviously still one game pending tonight. So you could, Close the gap there, or I could, or widen it depending on uh, how the Cowboys and Bucks game shake out tonight. But let's jump a little bit into the wild card recap. Talked about San Francisco and Seattle already. Just a couple of quick. If you were in daily fantasy, some of the you know top performers: DK Metcalf, thirteen targets, had ten receptions for one hundred and thirty-six yards for the Seattle Seahawks. Christian McCaffrey went fifteen for one nineteen and no touchdowns on the ground did have two receptions for 17 yards and a touchdown as well. And Brock Purdy, who, I mean, this kid is really, really impressive. I mean, every game that you see, you just think like, you know, is, is he going to crumble? Is, is it going to get too big for him? This being his first playoff game, you know, the, the doubts were there. I definitely doubted, uh, you know, his abilities to, you know, take this team and take this offense to, I mean, they, they were the, I think they were the highest scoring offense of the week. I think they scored. Yeah. 41 points. So, Ah, uh, Purdy went eighteen of thirty for three hundred and thirty-two yards and three touchdowns. He's he's really, uh, I mean, he's making a, a case for himself to to be the starter next year. I mean, you know, there, we're we're not there yet, but there's a a point where, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo could be healthy enough to come back and start. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, how do you take Brock Purdy out at this point? He's won his first six starts. He's looked really really good in every single one of them. I just I don't think you can go back to Garoppolo. I think you have to kind of at this point you kind of have to ride this out with Purdy, especially if he starts and wins another game next week. And you know, you're saying Jimmy Garoppolo, Pat, don't forget
1: Trey Lance. You know, that's that's the other shoe to drop is you know, you invested a top five pick, made some trades to get this guy in, and you know, obviously a serious injury derailed this whole season. Um, yeah, what do they do? Uh, if this kid turns around and comes out to be you know, uh, uh, basically almost like another Tom Brady who, Mm -hmm. you know, we all kind of remember, not everybody remembers. I know you and I remember back in the day where Drew Pledsoe was the quarterback in New England and was very good and one of the best ones in the league and Mm -hmm. gets injured against the Jets. Brady comes in and that's the rest. The rest (laughs) is history. I mean, and that's that's so scary that, you know, you can get Wally pipped like that. That's another – old school reference for you, uh, scoring at home. But, um, at the same time, now you're talking about a three headed monster there where obviously probably Garoppolo was already theoretically the odd man out, but yeah, now you have a guy who went from Mr. Irrelevant in a similar vein as Brady to, uh, this guy who is taking them to the next level. Now, again, beating up on Seattle again, sure. Now this week coming up, they're going to play the winner of Tampa Bay, Dallas. Um, uh, barring some upset, they would have to come to Philadelphia to play in the NFC Championship game. To me, that would truly test the metal of this kid. Uh, you know, coming into the link, uh, this crowd and this, you know, this atmosphere and this vibe. Uh, albeit a good team that's been led by their defense, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think San Fran's got a lot in the offseason, regardless of the outcome of of their season. To to really look at, and it's all based around the quarterback position.
0: Yeah, this, this is going to be a uh, a fun offseason to watch. I do think Garoppolo, this is his last year. I know they were trying to trade him. I believe this is the last year in his contract. So they can just let him go at this point without any you know cap considerations or anything like that. But yeah, between Purdy and, and Trey Lance, I mean, there's going to be a lot of fans. And I know fans don't run the organization, but there's going to be a lot of fans in San Francisco that want Purdy to, to stay the quarterback of this team. But how do you do that when you invested, you know, not just the third – overall pick but everything you basically traded to get to that third overall pick yeah that's that's the investment yeah
1: and and all the the trey lance stands that you know especially the fans fantasy wise and otherwise that saw all that potential and swore you know up and down he's our guy he's our guy
0: Mm -hmm.
1: now yeah like it's going to be interesting to see who stays on that fence or you know you're going to have a, a fan civil war probably amongst the, <laughs> the Niners, yeah, when it comes to quarterback. But, you know, hey, let them fight it out. That's fine. We, we have our guy here, and we're doing just fine.
0: All right, let's move on. We've also talked about the Jacksonville Chargers game. Uh, Jacksonville ended up winning that one 31-30 with the last-second field goal. They raised a 27-point deficit like we talked about. They were down 27 nothing in the second quarter before they scored that first touchdown. Trevor Lawrence, like we said, four interceptions in the first half, four touchdowns in the second half. And Asante Samuel Jr., who had maybe a half of all time for a defensive back. (laughs) I mean, in the playoffs, three interceptions in one half is incredible. And I feel like that accomplishment is kind of getting swept under the rug because of the fact that you know Jacksonville came back and won that game. and, And now sort of everything is, you know, what a great call by Doug and you know what a great comeback and what a great turnaround by Trevor Lawrence. Instead of what a great game from Asante Samuel Jr. and uh, you know basically carrying this defense to a victory. And and it's unfortunate for him, but you know very fortunate for uh, Jacksonville fans and and Jacksonville team obviously. And and good for us. I mean, at least from I can speak for myself here. I'm glad to see Doug Peterson moving on. Love the guy. Obviously, you know helping our Eagles win a championship, the first Super Bowl ever. He's just going to be one of my favorite coaches ever. And I actually posted on Twitter after this game that this was, this game was won by the coaching staff. You don't go into halftime down. What was it? 20 points or 23 points, something like that mm-hmm. and turn things around the way you do and make such, like he just made the right call at the right time. It seemed every single time. And it was just, it was, the coaching matters in, in the pros. It, it absolutely does. And, and Doug Peterson proved that.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, again, I agree. Like, you know, to say the same thing, you know, in the same vein, like how, and I, I know you kind of saw me throw that out was, you know, how many coaches actually have a statue? Of yeah. You know, when you really think about it. Now, again, we wear our hearts on our sleeve in this area. And that first Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles was always going to be legendary. But the way that that, when down from you know basically the second quarter of the minnesota vikings uh conference championship and then throughout the entire super bowl where it was just you know everybody he was in the zone calling plays nick Foles was in the zone or everything everything was the perfect storm and like you're saying it, it does show that you can take a young team at halftime that just had one of the worst halves of football and could totally turtle up and t- just let them know, like, hey, guys, we got, our, you know, 30 more minutes. It's okay. You know, we got this. And they did. I mean, and when you look at some of the team stats from the game, it, it's kind of scary. The irony that Jacksonville won it at the buzzer on a game-winning field goal, they ran one more play, just one more play at the end of the game. Y- you have five turnovers in a game and win. Uh, you know, you, like, it, it's totally you, – you gave up five more minutes in time of possession like everything kind of led to certain things and that was that was what was amazing was to see how this young quarterback and I know you and I've talked throughout the fantasy season and last year how you know people thought he was going to be a bust and then you kind of attribute it to the coaching staff that was there his rookie season and how they turned him around quick and put some weapons around him so that he could develop uh and I know Ross Tucker threw out a tweet to this day, Trevor Lawrence has still never lost a game on a Saturday. It just, it's so, ama- <laughs> it, no, it's a total truth. Like no, it's uh, yeah. so amazing that, you know, they were able to pull this off. And I do feel bad for,
0: you know, so they Are they Her- playing Saturday next week? Oh, I got to pick them to upset the Chiefs now? Uh, I I think, I, I think that's a possibility. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know,
1: so I, you know, I may have to, I may have to ride or die with, with my guy. Uh, but no, I was, I was kind of liking him coming into the year. And for Justin Herbert and that team, it's just, you know, He's got to get some better coaching on his side, mm-hmm. and it's not so much his fault. Like, guy had a pretty good game. You know, mm-hmm. Eckler had a decent game. They didn't run the football, and then they played the prevent, and they just kind of mailed it in, and kind of. And they thought this team was going to quit, and they didn't. And again, that is the coaching, like you said. You have some of these young, hot, commodity coaches that come in, and they light the world on fire because they were a good coordinator for a team that they come from, and it doesn't always translate. Uh, you know, we have a guy Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia that people thought was a joke and turn around and, you know, pound for pound, you were the best team in football uh, at certain points in in the NFC throughout. I know San Fran, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City are all in that conversation. But you look at a guy who choked his way out of the playoffs last year and choked in the first round this year,
0: you know, you're going to get three strikes (laughs) and you're out, Uh, maybe even, maybe
1: even not that far.
0: Yeah. I honestly wasn't even thinking about last year, but you're right. That the timeout that cost him a playoff berth last year. And that's the, that's the calls, like you're saying, yeah. where Doug, you know, he just – he can read the game.
1: He, was, mm-hmm. he wasn't a great quarterback, but, you know, it's just like uh, certain players in sports that manage teams after the fact. They may not have been as skilled as others, but yeah. they know the game. They know the – the they can read that field. They know what the other coach is, and then, yeah, they're just able to pull it off.
0: Yeah, the, usually it's the middle-of-the-road sort of mediocre players that make the best coaches because those are the guys who – you know, truly have to understand the game to be good enough. Like some guys just have so much natural ability that they really don't have to understand much. They can just go out and do and they can perform and they're great. And those players tend to not make very good coaches because they've never really had to, you know, rely on the intellectual part of the game, especially in football. And, and, and I think you're right. I think Doug Peterson being a quarterback and, and understanding, you know, the offense so well that he has a knack, like you said, for these play calls, and he kills it. But uh, let's move on to the Miami-Buffalo game. Buffalo wins this one 34-31. to 31. For me, the big story in this was Buffalo holding Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell to a total of 10 catches for 113 yards, no touchdowns on 22 targets. I mean, if you look, Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis both individually had better games than – Hill and Waddle combined Diggs was seven for 114 and Davis was six for 113 with a touchdown so this was just a, a matter of the Bills offense just doing more um, Miami hung in this one with Skylar Thompson a third string quarterback starting for them which I was impressed by honestly I, I think that the team as a whole played very well Buffalo's just they have too much firepower I mean they just they have playmakers all over the place and and when Josh Allen can't get the ball to those playmakers. He becomes one himself and just takes off with the ball. And, you know, he's a gigantic 6'5", 240-pound man who, you know, runs a 4'7". Yeah. So it's like, I mean, what do you? how do you defend the Buffalo Bills, honestly? I mean, Miami did their best, put 31 points on the board, trying to keep up with them. But, I, I mean, this the way to beat Buffalo is you're going to have to outscore them. And Miami just, without Tua, didn't have that firepower. So tough loss for them. But uh, I think they are in a good spot for years to come. And I think that you're, you're going to see Miami uh, knocking on the door of the playoffs for the next probably four or five years at least.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it seemed like, and again, that was one where I really was busy, but I, I did get like a chance to see a couple, couple seconds there. And looking at the score where yeah, Miami was holding them, um, You know, their defense was doing okay. And, and it seems like maybe Buffalo was a little bit out of sync you know, throughout different parts of that game where Miami was winning, you know, it wasn't like they were, you know, clawing back in the game or were hanging around. And then it looked like Buffalo kind of put the sword to them. And then I'm walking by and yeah, they're, they're down three. And it was only a, a couple bad, you know, play calls, you know, by the coach with maybe not the whole thing with the fourth down and not realizing they didn't get it. And, mm-hmm. and that timing and, and you lost stuff there where again, it's a young coach and a, and a young team, but to me, that the thing that kind of glares, and I know it's it's that third times a charm matchup, but that Buffalo, like when you really went and looked at what they at what they had, you know, weapons wise, and that's what's that's what Josh Allen, I think, what makes him so good, but also makes him mortal at the same time. Where if he's not doing almost everything at times, like Stephon Diggs, we know is one of the top wide receivers in the league. Gabe Davis was coming in with a lot of hype. Now he did have a big game. Uh, You know, he's been known to drop some balls and not have one. You had a rookie Khalil Shakir who stepped up and made some big plays. Cole Beasley who went from retired to not retired to retired to not retired again, (laughs) you know, He's back. plan. Yeah, yeah, why not? You know, and, and again, Dawson Knox. Like, you have some guys around him. The running game, again, I still feel like Devin Singletary doesn't get enough carries and, and respect for what he can do. Again, he's not elite, but he's a good running back. And they just, the way they call their plays, they just don't do it. Yeah, you know, like you said, Skylar Thompson on the other side of the ball was, you know, Christ, he threw the ball 45 times, you know, trying to keep them in the game. And really just threw a couple picks. Outside of that, it was the defense of Miami that kind of kept them in the game a little bit. They were trying to play keep away. They couldn't do it. And at the end of the day, too, the penalties and everything else rags them. But I, I think you kind of saw Buffalo look a little bit mortal, uh, almost maybe like they were looking ahead, you know, trap game concept. Even in the playoffs, it does happen. Obviously, the seating was all jumped up, uh, jumbled up because of the, the thing that took place with with DeMar right. on the Monday night game and, and, and all the tiebreaker things. So, you know, I, I think it did throw some of these teams for a loop because it was so late in the season. We'll see. I, 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 don't feel too strong about Buffalo. And and as you know, they have been known to choke in the playoffs in the past. So we'll, we'll see how they go.
0: The next game was the New York giants at the Minnesota Vikings giants end up winning this one 31, 24, which uh, you and I both called the underdog, the away team coming in, the six seed winning at the three seed Minnesota. We both had this one correct. I think for this, the game did not go the way I expected. I didn't expect the Giants to score 31 points. I thought that they would have to win this game on the back of their defense. But honestly, Daniel Jones played the best game I think I've ever seen him play in the the biggest pressure cooker that he's ever been in. He ended up... 24 of 35 for 301 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles. I mean, you know, being Eagles fans here, we remember Daniel Jones is the guy who, you know, basically just he turns the ball over like it's uh, you know, like he's changing the sheets at a Holiday Inn Express. Like he's he was constantly fumbling the ball. He led the league in fumbles I think two years in a row. Um, you know he he was he was really bad, and and you know I think this was his his last year as a starter for the Giants if he didn't step up, but he absolutely did. Daniel yeah. Jones also went seventeen for seventy eight on the ground, and Saquon Barkley had a really good game as well. He went nine for fifty three with two touchdowns, also five receptions on six targets for fifty six yards. Isaiah Hodgins had a good game, nine targets, eight receptions for one hundred and five and one, and uh, you know it was just an all around good performance by the Giants. And, and it wasn't like the Vikings played bad. I mean, Cousins had a good game. TJ Hawkinson had a good game. J- Jefferson, you know, he kind of has pulled a disappearing act a few times this year. And, and unfortunately, I don't want to say disappearing act, like he just didn't show up for the game. Every time Minnesota dropped back to throw the ball, the Giants had, you know, two guys on Jefferson. They were not going to let Justin Jefferson beat them. And and I do respect, again, good coaching. Keep their best player from beating you and, and make someone else beat you. And that's sort of what they did. And, and, uh, you know, another player couldn't beat them. So hats off to the giants. They, they get to come to Philadelphia next week and play the Eagles for yet another third times a charm game in Philadelphia. But, uh, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm as much of, you know, I don't want to see NFC East teams win. I do feel a sense of pride when our division and, you know, if this Dallas Tampa Bay game goes away, I think it's going to go and Dallas wins this one. Three of the final four NFC teams are going to be NFC East teams. And, uh, you know, it does make me feel like there was a lot of talk earlier in the year about the Eagles re- record being a little bit hollow because they hadn't beat anybody in this and that. Listen, they beat the giants twice. They beat the Cowboys once. And those are, you know, potentially two of the other three teams left in the playoffs at the end. So, You know, it just does make me feel a little bit stronger about these Eagles wins going and beating these teams that, you know, maybe some people thought were bad teams, but are not, obviously. I mean, obviously the Giants are a solid team and, uh, you know, they're a little scary, honestly. I mean, they played the Eagles well in week 18 without most of their starters in the game. And the Eagles are going to have to be on their A game to win this one against the Giants this week. Relax. Just relax. <laughs>
1: Calm down. First of all, yes, you and I both had this game pegged, uh, albeit, yeah, wasn't maybe expecting the, the scoring to be quite as high, maybe especially on the Giants end, but we did see this one coming from miles away, and again, we do have a little bit of an inside track on teams out of the NFC East, because we get to see them a lot. We follow them a lot. We hear the news because of matchups involving, again, our hometown Eagles. The biggest thing is that, and Pat, you know, this is an old expression and if nobody knows it and they want to blow it off, that's fine. And probably this is why you're also quaking at the the juggernaut that is the San Francisco 49ers, that defense wins championships. Well, defense lost this game 100%. The Minnesota (laughs) Vikings suck on defense so bad throughout the regular season. They were top three worst. They give up too many yards. They give up too many points to the point where they gave up an average of 25 points a game. Their offense scored an average of 25 points a game. Again, their point differential was minus 3 for a 13 win team. You were like Neo from the Matrix. You were dodging every bullet throughout the season. And yeah, you had, you know, you had that big win over Buffalo that was just One of the most random accidents to happen. Again, it's the offense good. And and I know you just touched on Justin Jefferson too, where everybody has him pegged to be the next greatest of all time. Top five. He's already in there. I'm sure some people have him on the list. Well, he's all time now. He's all time. He's an immature player that can get taken out of games easily at times. And he does it to himself. And when there's tough physical coverage, when he gets to go his own route and do his own thing and teams can't play tough on him and they don't make it a point to key on him, that's when he falls apart. You saw Green Bay do it to him a couple weeks back to the point where he hit the referee with his helmet. He was so pissed off and you can take him out of a game. And I think if teams start to realize that that is possible and he's going to be frustrated, too, when he knows that no matter how much he does, if he puts up 15 catches for 226 and four touchdowns, his team's still going to lose by a touchdown because (laughs) his defense can't do anything. So, again, yes, hats off to the Giants. They were the better team Mm -hmm. all around and they're not a complete team. They're a team that was nine, seven and one that had, you know, really, really big swings when it came to stuff on offense and defense and to see their team play that well, like you're saying, Daniel Jones going off on that team while not taking away. And, you know, we make fun of him, but he is a competent quarterback. Saquon seems healthier. I think they really just feasted on the fact that this team just could not stop them whatsoever. They averaged over six yards of play, dominated the football for 33 minutes to 26. I mean, they did everything right you know, at, at the end of the day. And that's what, yeah, he went into Minnesota. You went on the road as a wild card and punched them in the mouth early. And they really never recovered from that. So it is interesting to see, but I think that the, uh, the bell's about to toll on your your favorite team, the Giants there, Pat.
0: <laughs> All right. The Baltimore Cincinnati game was the nightcap. Uh, another good game, another one score game. For Baltimore, Tyler Huntley went 17 of 29 for 226, threw two touchdowns, one interception, had a costly fumble, which we're going to talk about <laughs> in a second here. Mark Andrews, okay game, five for 73 on 10 targets, no touchdowns. Jamar Chase was kind of the, the, the lone standout, I guess, for Cincinnati. You know, statistics-wise, 12 targets, nine receptions, 84 yards, and one touchdown. The Bengals really spread the ball around. There, there wasn't, you know, even with Chase's 84 yards and a touchdown, it wasn't like he was far and away the, the best player on the team as far as the stats go. It was just one of those games where it, it was a typical AFC North game. I mean, we hit the under. A lot of defensive stops on, on both sides of the ball. Joe Burrow only threw for one touchdown. Just one of those games where the defense... Really stepped up, and and Cincinnati's defense pulled out the game winning play on that fumble recovery for a touchdown from was I think it was Hubbard right that that ran that back. You know Cincinnati's one of those teams that you know I talked about last week me sleeping on last year saying I wasn't going to sleep on them again this year. I am not sleeping on them. I think that you know they can absolutely beat Buffalo. They can beat Kansas City. You know they can beat Jacksonville if they have to. I, I also think they can get beat by all of those teams. Uh, obviously. Uh, I think that, you know, if Cincinnati comes to play and they play their game, they can beat anybody. But uh, I think that they also showed in this game that they are beatable. And, and had that had that Tyler Huntley quarterback sneak gotten six inches further and and he, you know, that been called a touchdown instead of him fumbling the ball and, and Cincinnati scoring on that play. Uh, you know, we're looking at a completely different game now. Cincinnati has to come back you know, and, and score in the final few minutes to, to tie things up and then, you know, potential overtime and all that. So, uh, you know, this is definitely a game that the Bengals could have and should have maybe lost, but they do what they need to do to win games on offense and on defense. And, uh, and they stepped up in this one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really do think it was a coin flip. And, and again,
1: it really just came down to that play, like, uh, watching a little bit of it. I, I did get a chance to actually catch a little bit of that one. Finally. Baltimore kind of, for lack of a better term, I'm not going to say dominated, but they were the better team in the game for three and a half, three quarters of the game. And it really just kind of went down to that possession. They were able to keep Burrow and and that electric offense under wraps. Again, this third time, the charm in a tough division. You know, like we said, we, the under was there. Everything kind of played into... Exactly, kind of what we thought, albeit maybe that Cincinnati would have been a little more dominant. There were questions about Huntley coming into the game—was he going to be healthy? And outside of you know, he he did throw an interception, but really it was just—it came down to that fumble. I mean, if you go back and look statistically at the game, and you you just see how they were, and you could hear it, like watching that—that crowd was quiet in the fourth quarter Mm. and, and that whole drive was one of those ones where you're like, my God, they're gonna go down and score and they're gonna make it a game for Cincinnati to get back into. And it was third and one when they made that call. You still had a shot to give it to, you know, you had J.K. Dobbins, who was having a nice little game. You know, he he wasn't crushing it per se, but, you know, to the tune of almost five yards a carry, Gus Edwards was in there too. Like you had these guys there ready to go. Heck, give the ball to Mark Andrews or Ricard, the the fullback to to make a big burst to get even closer. And then maybe that play comes down to it. I'll be honest to say, like, I don't dislike Cincinnati. I think they're a good team and I do root for them. But uh, of the two, I, I prefer Baltimore just because of, you know, my old feelings towards that team and then the coach and the way they mm-hmm. ran stuff. But yeah, again, talking about coaching, winning and losing playoff games, that was a play. And we've seen Harbaugh be a little too aggressive at times that arguably cost them the game. Cause then after that, both teams seemed like they just didn't know what the heck just happened. And, You know, a couple of possessions back and forth and then that was it game was over and it just came down to one play and one guy making a hell of a, you know, a return on that the fact that he made it downfield the way he did without anybody touching him. Mark Andrews. Again, you may not have had the greatest game ever, but my God, dude, you ran him down as hard as you could and there was nobody else near that. That's what I couldn't understand how they all just stood there and, and watched. you saw one other guy in the picture you know, chasing him down and he just got it like, like lally gagging around like the 40 almost <laughs> midfield. It's like, dude, that, that's the game that's happening right mm-hmm. now. Like you guys even, you know, even care Lamar not being there, not even going to the game. I think this team kind of had that attitude of like, we're going to win this game without him. We don't want him because it sounds like that ship has, you know, run its course too uh, in that, in that team, in that franchise. And, and you'll see him sign a big deal with somebody else. Baltimore's proven they can win games without him. And I think they're ready to move on as well.
0: Yeah, that's something that we're going to get into, I'm sure, in the off season here. We, you know, we're going to continue to do these podcasts. We're going to go down to once a month after the playoffs, but or after the Super Bowl, I should say. But uh, you know, I'm sure that's something that we'll talk about in the off Is is some of these contracts and where guys are going to end up? That'll be part of our leading up to the 2023 season. Let's jump into next weekend's matchups before we run out of time. Uh, we'll, we'll take them in the same order that we did last week. We'll just starting with the first game of the week, which is going to be Jacksonville at Kansas city Saturday at four 30 Jacksonville is an eight and a half point underdog in this one. The over under is 51 and a half. It's really difficult for me to, to count Jacksonville out of any game. I mean, I know the chiefs are the number one seed. They're one of the best offenses in the league but the chiefs like the chargers are not a great defensive team. They've given up a ton of points this year and they win games by outscoring people. So uh, I do think that the Jags are going to be able to move the ball in this one. I do think that they're going to be able to score some points. Hopefully they don't get themselves into, you know, the type of deficit that they got themselves into this past week, but I do think it's going to be a competitive game. You know, Doug Peterson played for and coached with Andy Reed for a number of years. So they know each other very well. I think, It's going to be a hard fought battle between, you know, two of most up and coming quarterbacks in the league. And uh, this is going to be, I mean, we have some really, really good games on tap this weekend. And, uh, and this is honestly, this obviously the Eagles are, you know, I'm going to be paying attention to that closely, but this might be the, my, my favorite game to watch other than, than, than the Giants Eagles game, because, uh, you know, I love watching Patrick Mahomes, the guy's a magician I think Trevor Lawrence is becoming a, a just a really good quarterback under Doug Peterson, and I really like Jacksonville to give Kansas City a good game. I don't think they're going to win, but I am going to take Jacksonville uh, with the eight and a half points. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win it, and uh, I, I'm going with the over, even though it's 51 and a half. I think, like I said, both of these teams can score. Both of these defenses, uh, Jacksonville's defense is actually a little bit underrated. Uh, you know, had they not been had to be on the field so much in that game versus the Chargers with all those turnovers in the first half. I think they would have played better. They played extremely well in the second half, obviously. I think Jacksonville's defense is better than they get credit for, but I think both of these teams can score and will score. I think it's incredibly hard to stop the Chiefs, so I'm going to take the over in that one as well. So Jacksonville with the points, Chiefs on the money line, and the over of 51 and a half for me. Well, I'm going to stick to
1: my guns. Like I said, I'm not scared of this kansas city team in a certain sense yes they they do score pat mahomes he could come out in this game and and put up 500 yards he's got that ability again talking about coaching and and stuff obviously andy Reid gets lauded for you know being one of the greatest coaches of all time finally got a super bowl a few years back but for those of us that do remember previous and even recent times with with his chiefs and and that team that sits for a week and doesn't have the momentum coming in versus a team like Jacksonville coming off such an emotional win where, yes, there can be a letdown, but at the same time, uh, and you kind of touched on it, that some slightly underrated defensively Jacksonville, um, this season has stepped it up. Kansas City basically just tries to outscore you, and that's all that they really sometimes have to do. I'm not saying that this is a stone-cold mortar lock at all, but I kind of (laughs) like I kind of like Jacksonville a little bit in this game compared to, you know, compared to maybe what other people might think, obviously the lines creeping up on nine, 10 points and they're going to say, ah, look at what just happened again. I think there were some anomalies in that game that really kind of hit. And that was again, two of those four picks of Lawrence in the first half, you know, maybe forcing that football a little bit. And, and that team just, again, it was their first playoff game. Now, is it going to be interesting to see how they do against, you know, again, the, 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 pupil against the the teacher concept. Yes, with Peterson versus Andy Reid, um, you know, who's going to know who a little bit better tendency wise and everything. Uh, there was a Jacksonville win of 27 to 17 earlier this year in week 10, Pat Mahomes went off, the defense kind of got lit up. And that was really it. You know, they did host that game in Kansas City. Uh, I I just there's something about it right now where I, I tend to feel like that momentum might carry them over the top, so I kind of lean. And one reason, too, turnover battle uh, through the season, regular season at least, uh, Jacksonville was a plus five, Kansas City minus three, and they have some younger players that haven't been into the postseason as much or recently. I mean, Jared McKinnon had a great finish to the season, Isaiah Pacheco has been a big part of their team. Those are guys that, you know, maybe he has to step up in a big spot and <coughs> cough that football up at the wrong time. And it, as we saw last night, we just talked about Baltimore and Cincinnati. It only takes maybe a turnover or two. I like Jacksonville straight up on the money line. Uh, Jacksonville definitely with the spread. And I kind of like the under. Uh, I think, again, maybe Kansas City comes out a little cold. Another gets punched in the mouth concept. I like Jacksonville 27 to 20 to win the game outright.
0: All right. Sticking with Dougie Fresh. I like it. It's a Saturday. Got to take T ball. All right. Moving on to the Saturday night game. That's going to be the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Giants are seven and a half point underdog in this one, and the over under is 47 and a half. The hard part isn't picking the winner of this game for me because I do think, you know, this is not me being a homer. I truly do think that the Eagles are the better team. I think that they're going to win this game the hard part for me is with that seven and a half, I, the giants have been close in a lot of their games. I don't think that this spread is indicative of, you know, how good the giants have been and, and how well they have been playing, you know, leading up to, uh, you know, obviously that week 18 game where they rested their starters. But before that, I mean, they were, they were playing some really good football. They, you know, I think they had won three out of their last four. Yeah. You know, again, I'm not including that Eagles game because nobody was playing in that game. But uh, this is going to be, I think, a lot closer of a game than Las Vegas obviously uh, expects it to be. I think that you know the Eagles' defense is obviously much better than Cincinnati, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult for the Giants to move the ball in this one. But I do think that their their defense is going to step up. I do think that Jalen Hurts' shoulder injury could limit him running the ball, maybe as much as uh, you know we as Eagles fans would like to see. So I think it's going to be a fairly close game. So I'm going to take the Eagles to win this one, but uh, I'm going to take the Giants getting seven and a half. I think if the Eagles win, it won't be by more than a touchdown. Uh, I do also like the over in this one because as we saw last week, the Giants can move the ball and they can score. And we obviously know the Eagles can score. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the league this year. So uh, I think there's going to be points on both sides. And uh, and I'd like the over in this one, a 47 and a half. Ah. With you some with you in some some
1: respects there. Um, again looking back, you had a week fourteen blowout in New York, uh, forty eight to twenty two, and then yeah the week eighteen game where I think a lot of fans here were extremely worried. Uh, Jalen doesn't look right, and uh, you know they they were so close in that game and and they weren't even playing their starters. I I think it was a combination of of everybody just trying to get off the field alive on both sides. You know, gentlemen's agreement, however you want to look at it. Brian Dable, I think you know, has definitely established himself as a very good NFL head coach so far this season with what he's had to work with and how he turned that team around. And, yeah, chances are he's probably going to get, you know, coach of the year, might be second place. But that being said, I just can't go anywhere but Philly all day on the money line, on the spread. I like the under. I think this has a little bit of a, a slowed down Kind of. Now, I know you kind of think that Giants, because they put up the points, they're, they're going to start to have a bit of an electric offense. But, again, I, I attribute last week to uh, Minnesota's defense being that bad. Again, they put up 16 points against the Eagles in that in that final game. And then they had 38 against the Colts, 24-20 12, or 20 in, a, in a win, 22. So they kind of stick around for the most part. They've had some stinkers, and they had a 20-20 tie against the Commanders earlier this year. I think getting to that next level of the playoffs is going to be new ground for this team. Now, granted, uh, I think that that's also something that can be said about the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year, there was a very bad loss to Tampa Bay. First playoff game for Jalen Hurts. And I I think the quarterback that you saw last year and the one you see this year, albeit maybe not at 100%, is a totally different guy. You know, again, you have A.J. Brown. You have Devontae Smith. You have Dallas Goddard. Uh, Lane Johnson, you know, with the – the injury that he has that sounded like it was going to be a season-ender sounds like it's been downplayed now by a lot of local media that he's going to be able to play he may not be 100 percent, but you'll definitely take that and as long as their defense is playing the way that they have been playing throughout the season uh, i just can't see the giants escaping so again i like philly money line philly spread i like the under i think it's a 27 to 13 eagles final and then they will await the winner of that. San Fran, uh, and to be determined, Dallas, Tampa <laughs> Bay game hosting the NFC Championship game on their way to a Super Bowl victory.
0: Oh, okay, we're already going there. All right. Oh yeah, <clears throat> come on, dude. I'll see you on Broad Street, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the Sunday game. Sunday at three o'clock, Cincinnati goes to Buffalo. Now, I thought this was one of the games where this was one of the situations where it would be a neutral site game. I, I was, I thought, but apparently Me too, not. Yeah. The game is going to be in Buffalo. I, I thought because Cincinnati only finished a game behind that had they won that heads up game uh, versus Buffalo in week 18, that they would have, they would have home field. They would have had the number two seed. So I, I thought this was one of those neutral site games. Apparently is not. It is in Buffalo. Cincinnati is a four point underdog in this one. And the over under is 50 and a half for me in this game. Personally, this is going to be a tough game to watch because of, you know, what happened obviously with the Hamlin, And both of these teams getting together again, obviously to play each other, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think it's going to be difficult for the players, honestly, but this is a game where, listen, I I think, you know, I just talked earlier about Cincinnati being able to beat any team. Uh, I I do think that they have obviously the ability to win this game. I just, I feel like it's Buffalo's year. I just, I've kind of felt like that from the beginning of the season. I, I felt like it was, you know, even preseason, I felt Buffalo was going to be in the AFC Championship game this year. Uh, I thought it would be in Buffalo, which, uh, you know, because of that Week 18 game, it, it cannot be now. But the Bills, to me, just I almost feel like a team of destiny. And, and I know that sounds, you know, I'm usually the guy that comes on here with the stats. And, you know, this is why this team's going to win. But this is just a gut call for me. I feel like Buffalo is going to win this game. I feel like it's going to be a really, really close game. Uh, I'm talking, you know, maybe one or two points or, or, you know, possibly a field goal to win it uh, at the end. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals with the four points because I I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. But uh, I do like Buffalo in this game, and I like the over because it just seems like every game Buffalo plays in, it hits the over. Like, they just – they score points, and as good as their defense has been, you know, earlier in the season, they've given up a lot of points lately. I was actually surprised that they gave up 31 to Miami, now, you know, six – technically seven of those points were on a defensive touchdown, but you know, Josh Allen turned the ball over three times in that game versus Miami. And he needs to, he, I understand that he wants to go out and make plays, but I I think he needs to realize that taking care of the ball is first and foremost, especially in the playoffs. You cannot be turning the ball over more than the other team and, and winning a lot of playoff games. If Buffalo turns it over more than Cincinnati does in this game, they're going to lose. Can I can tell you that right now? But I think that that's sort of the message going into next week for Buffalo is protect the ball, you know, take what the defense gives you and try not to overextend plays to the point where we're making bad decisions. And I, and I think that as good of a quarterback as Josh Allen is, he does get to the point sometimes where he he's so good, he feels he can make plays that, you know, maybe he shouldn't be trying to make. And so hopefully they don't turn the ball over. Uh, I would like to see Buffalo continue on. I'm big, big fan of uh, Josh Allen of, you know, just Buffalo in general. I think they have a great fan base a, you know, one of our best friends is a Bills fan. So I'd like to see him, uh, you know, see his team continue to advance. So uh, I'm taking Buffalo in this one, but Cincinnati with the points and I'm going to take the over. Yeah. nah.
1: Um, I I know you're, you're feeling a, a certain kind of way about Buffalo and, Hats off to you out there, Bill. Uh, I, I hope maybe for your sake this this could be your year. But I don't think that
0: again. I, and I know
1: I just kind of mentioned it. I don't think that they have enough. How should I put it? When they're at, they can be taken out of sync a little bit too much. And and I just feel like that Cincinnati. If you want to talk about a team that seems like destined. Not often do you see the team that won and or lost the Super Bowl from the previous year. Sometimes turn things right around and come right back. Guns blaze, and sometimes the repeat champ comes back. They win it. Maybe with, you know we see New England do it. Kansas City recently they won. They reappeared the next year and you know banged up Mahomes. They couldn't quite get it over the top. I, I just I, there's something about this Buffalo team that at times. They look amazing. And I mean, you know, right now you're playing a team that's a shell of its former self. You play New England twice a year um, and and they now own them. They don't have an offense and and things like that. I know there's some uh, retribution from last year's playoff loss with the massive shootout that you had between Cincinnati and Buffalo. I don't know if... I, I, if the league wants to make it a thing with with the hamlin you know to be somehow honored now the chances of him coming out for like a coin toss to try to flip this game you know something like that might bring a, a different feel to the whole field and and the game itself i just uh, i think cincinnati just finds a way man uh, that quarterback i know everybody loves josh allen but i i almost feel like at times barrow has the better weapons but he's also just a guy who kind of gets things done. I mean, last year they, they had a tough game against a really good Rams defense that won that game for them more than, per se, the offense did. I like Cincinnati in this game. I like them straight up. I like them with the spread. I like the over. I, I feel like it's going to be 35-27 since he – I think their defense has improved from last year. And I I, I don't know, man. I, I just something about, you know, the way that they had to kind of scramble and hang on against Miami – and and I know it's a division game. I feel like maybe they were looking ahead to whatever matchup there was. This was going to be. They just didn't seem quite themselves, and and could have could have lost that game, almost quite easily at certain points. So I mean, I, I just I'm, I'm probably wrong. I'm not surprised. Uh, Cincinnati during the season was a plus six on turnovers. Buffalo was even. So again, that's something in the playoffs with with ball security. And you know, Josh Allen has another stinker of a start. The offense on the other side of the field isn't Skylar Thompson. It's <laughs> it's Joe Burrow and that offense, and and if that happens, and and they get caught in that moment, I think it'll be too much uh, for them to to improve. On, unfortunately,
0: yeah, this is going to be a really good game. The final game of the weekend is going to be either Dallas or Tampa Bay at San Francisco. We do not know at the time of this recording who won that game because the Dallas San Francisco game, I'm um, excuse me, the Dallas Tampa Bay game has not played yet. But Scott and I picked different teams to win that one i'm on dallas scott is on the bucks so what we're going to do for this one is we're not really going to pick the game yet because we don't really know who it is you know the spread the over under any of that stuff yet but uh we're going to just go ahead and guess the spread if our team wins i say our team but the team that we picked so if dallas beats tampa bay tonight and goes on to play san francisco next week i'm going to guess that the the line is somewhere around San Francisco plus, excuse me, San Francisco minus four. Uh, I think, you know, it's not quite going to be a a touchdown spread, but I I don't think that it's going to be, you know, a field goal either three and a half, four, somewhere in that neighborhood. And with Dallas, you know, and and their offensive weapons, uh, you know, obviously both of these teams have good defenses as well. I think you're going to see a middle of the road over under because there's a lot, you know, basically when Vegas makes these spreads, They're trying to pick numbers that will get the general public to place money on both sides evenly, 50-50, as close as possible. They're not trying to guess the final score or guess who's going to win by how much or whatever. What they're trying to do is set these lines so that the betting public puts 50% on one team, 50% on the other team, and then that way the books can't lose money. All they do is take 10% of uh you know of all the bets, like the way they do they take the juice so uh i do think that with both teams having good defenses but also having good offenses i think you're going to see a middle of the road uh, over under for this one so i'm going to say the over under is going to be 47 and a half uh, i'll say for this one if the cowboys win tonight and go on to take take on san francisco
1: yeah I, again tampa bay getting my dallas i think would be you know obviously the home field advantage and and we talked about Brady being undefeated against the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and Dak and and Dak just being a turnover machine. So that's kind of my rationale. If it does end up being Tampa Bay traveling to San Fran, they did it in week 14. That was a big Brock Purdy game where he started off a little rough and ended up just out dueling, so to speak, Tom Brady. But it was a case of San Fran's defense really just shutting down Tampa Bay offensively and, Again, I think to beat up on San Fran, just like uh, you know, they did lose. Their last loss was against Kansas City, uh, who, who beat them by 20 and was able to kind of just knock them out real quick with with putting up points and, and everything. That game, they had eight. about eight penalties for 62 yards. They turned the football over three times. Maybe it could have been a little bit of a closer game. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't think maybes count. Now, a little bit, uh, I know your favorite coach, Todd Bowles, Uh, You know, having a second chance, Uh, he's a a pack guy, Um, you know, having a chance to maybe chew on some play calling and and film and and maybe come up with a plan to try to keep the game close enough. But at the end of the day, I I think that San Fran does have that ability to just kind of whack a team that's as bad offensively that just can't put up the points. Tampa Bay averaged 18 points a game, Um, so they were actually like, and they gave up 21, so they they were a losing record, and that was basically a minus three when when you actually look at the scoring concepts on that. Um, You know, nothing really would be in their favor in this game, and I think that San Fran hosting this game and being already Don the favorite to come out of the NFC, I think they'd be given probably like two touchdowns. I think it would be about 14, 14 and a half points. And again, kind of playing off of that previous game, I think they would expect maybe an over-under around 40, where it's just a heavy San Fran. Uh, Again, it was 35-7, to which was a total of 42 last time. I think maybe they would expect something in that realm. You know, again, maybe Brady doesn't turn it over, converts a couple more, uh, and maybe it's something like 31-17. to And, And again, they show a little life compared to last time, maybe
0: knowing that defense a little bit better. All right. Well, we will put our picks out for this game uh, on Twitter once the game tonight is over, and we have an official, like I said, an official spread, an official over/under. Depending on who wins it, we'll put our, our picks out so that we, you know, anybody who's following the show who's interested can go on and check out our picks for next week in the San Francisco, you know, Dallas or Tampa Bay game, whoever it happens to be. But uh, we are, looks like we're about out of time for today. Before we go, just want to throw our socials out there for you again in case you do want to follow us. We are at the Nine Route One and at Scott from Delco on Twitter. Our website is www.theninerouteffb.com. We also have an email if you'd like to email the show, theninerouteffb at gmail.com. And before we go, we'd like to thank Mickey's Port of Call Pub in Tuckerton, New Jersey for partnering with the show. If you're looking for a great place to watch the NFL this weekend, Mickey's is it. Great food, drink specials, and all the football you can handle. Mickey's Pub, three twenty-seven East Main Street in Tuckerton, New Jersey, where friends and family meet. Thank you, Mickey's, for partnering with us. Any last words uh, before we head out for the day? <laughs> Sounds like I'm getting executed there. <laughs> what would you like as your last meal? Oh man, uh, that's that's
1: that's a story for another time, Pat. <laughs> um, no, folks, again, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody uh, listening throughout the season, taking some of our picks in the fantasy football side. This is the fantasy uh, gambling side, so to speak, <laughs> you know, and, and even to the point where we've created our own lines and we're, uh, you know, we're, we're closer to AC. I, you know, it's legal there now, so I guess we
0: could say we're, we're our own. Atlantic oh, yeah, City. there's a couple of nice sports books that they built in Atlantic City. I've, I've seen. Yeah. I mean, it's a uh, gamble. It's legal just about everywhere. Again, this is for entertainment
1: purposes only. But yeah, we appreciate everybody listening. Follow us on social media, uh, you know, like and subscribe us, YouTube, Apple podcast, Podbean, you know, uh, you name it. We're out there. And, and again, we appreciate the listen. this is fun. So this tends to be a little less serious and a little more just, you know, back and forth, bragging rights more like our starts and sits. Again, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the Dallas-Tampa Bay game tonight. We will. Uh, you'll be you'll be hearing this after the fact. And uh, enjoy those playoff matchups coming up for divisional round. And folks, Super Bowl is around the corner. Uh, so you know you might want to get those party trays lined up. Mickey's is a great place <laughs> to look into. Uh, whether you enjoy the game there or get some catering done, I'm sure they'd be able to get together nice big platter wings, sandwiches, you name it. I'm sure they'd be able to. Take care of you down there as they do with everybody else in that Tuckerton area. For Pat, I am Scott. We will talk to you next week uh, with the results of the divisional round. Peace.